Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. This came upon me about a couple months back, so I've been working on this, and every 4.30 in the morning lately, the Holy Spirit's been waking me up, and uh, I keep telling Michelle it's her fault, she's snoring, but it's the Holy Spirit been working me, and one morning I was working on my message and editing it, and this movie came on. It's out now, Show Me the Father. Um, Got a lot of inspiration from that movie. I've got a copy of it. If any of you would like to... Use it for a week or so. It will really enlighten you as to role of fathers in our world and in our life today. So I would gladly let any of you use it when you want to. So, so like Joey already set me up already. It's kind of a surprise. Not Joey today, it's me. So um, there's been a calling on my life for over four decades. Um, and I thought it was time to get up here before I'm up here in a walker. And that wouldn't be too entertaining for you. So might be a distraction, so I figured I'd better get up here, take that first step, present the message today. Um, my journey to this point has been filled with denial, pain, and heartbreak, um, which led me to put up walls, barriers in my personal and spiritual life. It, be- it led me down a path of situations, which you all know about. Um, and once again, I don't think Michelle will ever come to another Father's Day service. Last year, I proposed to her. She didn't know about that. She didn't know about this message today, so I'm sorry, honey, but I thought you should be surprised just like everybody else. Um, My journey to get to my calling was not easy. It was filled with prophetic words that were poured over me, Um, ugly cries in front of people that I didn't even know, Um, doubting my abilities, asking why me? Why Why am I good enough? Why would God give me another chance? I was raised in a Lutheran home. At my teenage years, I just broke away from God and said, I don't need him anymore. You know, my father died when I was 14. I blame God. It's a totally wrong perspective. And it took me a while to get back in touch with it. Um, So I'm once again glad that I'm back in touch with my Lord and Savior. And this time, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going anywhere, Joey. Tony, you're stuck with me. Um, So... Before I start today's message, I'd like to thank some very special people um, in my life that have helped me in my new walk with God. Of course, I would like to thank my wife, Michelle, who simply said, one of them one day said, why don't we go to that church in the high school and check it out? And I immediately said, yes. Now, you can ask her. She asked me a number of times to go to churches, and I said, well, maybe I'll think about it. But as we say quite a bit in this church, God puts you at the right place, at the right time, with the right people. And this was the right place for me and Michelle. Um, immediately, and then when I went to the right place, sorry. Uh, additionally, the people, the first small groups that M- Michelle and I attended, a number would tell me later, just like Joey just said, I, when I walked in those first couple sessions, they're going like, wow, well, Michelle must have dragged him here because he's really not here to get a message from us. Uh, and I had barriers up, you know. They could see that I had my radar and my defenses up of signs that this church was going to hurt me like other churches had hurt me. So I thank them for their friendship, encouragement, prophetic words, and support during this journey. Thank you to Joey and Tony. Thank you to Janice and Pam, my sisters from other misters. Uh, and of course, my lovely 
Ride till I die, check, Michelle. Thank you. Um, so my message today is going to be based on this book, Andre's Old Man by James DeMello. He was one of the speakers at the men's conference. We really helped turn my spiritual life around again just to see a bunch of guys getting together and just worshiping relentlessly towards God. It was just inspiring. So why did God put this topic on my heart? Well, it's, it's Father's Day, and I felt it was important for my first message to lift up the young men, husbands, fathers, and grandfathers of our congregation to lead the purpose-driven life that God has planned for us. After months of denying and wavering on my call, God has spoken to me, and finally I've listened to my calling is to assist men in their walk with God. Ladies, I don't want you to feel left out. These attributes can definitely be used by you in your daily life, but I'll be throwing in some nuggets throughout the message to keep your attention as well. Um, the Bible has clearly defined the purpose of men as fathers. I will not spend a lot of time on this because it's been touched on in many messages. So I just want to go over one slide about fatherhood and the different purposes of a father. So the father is the source of the family. He's basically the introduction to God. He shows the family what God is all about. He's your protector. He's your teacher. He's your encourager. When you become older and you're mature, he becomes your friend. He's also, is that all of them? Okay, provider, helper, leader, and helper. So, but in today's society, there's a lot of fatherlessness. And when I started looking into that and looking at some statistics, it's really scary how fatherless has affected our society. 72% believe that fatherlessness is the greatest problem in families and the biggest social problem facing America. The United States leads the world in fatherless homes. 65% of suicides occur in fatherless homes. 90% of homeless and runaways come from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavioral, father, behavioral problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of kids with chemical dependencies, 85% of youths that are in prison come from fatherless homes. 24 million children in this world will go to bed tonight without a father in their home. As it's Father's Day, I feel it important to spend some time on these disturbing statistics and how we can improve them as Christian men. Based on these stats, the power of a father's influence has a great impact on their children's current and future lives. In fact, I've got a quote from Dr. Meg Meeker. Fathers are the central figure in the identity formation of a child. Now, what is identity? Identity is the ability to know who you are. And identity is the key to spiritual life. Our children need to know we love them and that their lives and their welfare are very important to us. However, sons and daughters need different things from their father. Our sons need a battle to fight. They need to know that they're the hero and that they're powerful. They need an adventure to live. They need to go out there and test themselves. They need to know that they have what it takes to be a man. So surprise, surprise. A son needs to know that his father feels that he meets the expectations of being a man. Our daughters, on the other hand, need to know that they're beautiful and that they will be someone's special beauty, that they're worth fighting for, and that they're wanted. Our daughters need us to be emotionally available for them. We need to be affirming as to who they are as girls and who they will be as women. After all, we are the first man in their lives, so we must set the standard high 
for what our daughters should expect from a man. If you had a father who didn't answer, answer these questions for you, you have what's called a father wound. It runs deep and it scars you. A father's wound could be emotional or physical abuse. It could be that your father was absent. It could be that your father was distant and just didn't, wasn't around. In my case, it was caused by death. In order to heal this wound, you must open the womb and let God the Father heal you from the inside out. If you're a father who feels that you may have inflicted one of these wounds or you fell short, it ain't over till it's over. When you repent, are decisive and determined, restoration can and will happen. In fact, it was really funny. Um, you guys ever heard of something called TikTok? Might know about it. Well, Michelle sent me a video the other day. She didn't, of course, didn't know I was doing this uh, message. And it had Steve Harvey on it. And of course, he's a comedian, but he's also a Christian. He's wrote some really good books. And uh, he was warming up the audience of Family Feud. And um, he said, if you woke up today, God's not done with you. He's still processing you. It's never too late. If you have a purpose, you're still alive for that purpose. So never give up. It's never too late. I'm living proof of that. So my father wound was opened up one of the first nights in small group. Uh, we'd only been attending VLC for a couple of months. We decided to go to small group, give it a try, and... Um, no one in the group knew that my story of that my father had died when I was 14, so we kind of broke up. Women were on one side of the room, and the men were on the other, and we were all getting set to pray, and Joey was sitting next to me, and uh, we're getting ready to pray, and he just whispers in my, in my ear, your father is very proud of you. Now, knowing Joey now, as I know him now, that meant God the Father was proud of you, but that's not how I took it. I immediately broke down. I mean, it was one of them ugly cries. I mean, it, and these, I barely know these people for a couple months, and I'm just losing it. I mean, the women are gawking from the other side of the room. What's going on over there? Something's going on hard over there. Um, because that was a question that I always had I, for over 40 years. Was my father proud of me? He didn't have a chance to tell me. So it was always something inside of me that bothered me. Um, the death of my father, as I said earlier, was the reason I left church. I blame God for taking him from me. I was 14. I needed a dad. That's the time you need a dad. And that's the time he chose that he wasn't going to be with me anymore. So that was kind of difficult. So Joey, the guys just rallied around me. Joey did a little exercise, took me back to the moment of when I hated God, started to hate God, and asked me where Jesus was in the room at that time. And he was actually there with his arms wide open. He wanted to get closer to me but I pushed him away, one of the biggest regrets of my life. But it kind of just taught me that we may never understand God's plan, but just understand that it's always a purpose for what's going on, and he will never, ever, ever abandon us. So after 40 years, my father wound still hurts, but God the Father has helped me back on the right track. Other uh, men have also helped me fill the father void for me during my life, and since it's Father's Day, I'd like to give them some special thanks. Uh, my Uncle Art, he was my mom's youngest brother. He kind of stepped in. He was always the cool uncle. So uh, he stepped in, took me on adventures. We went snowmobiling, Saginaw Gears, hockey games. He taught me more about sports than any one person ever should know, actually. But uh, by his example, I learned to be a loving husband, father, and grandfather. So thank you, Uncle Art. 
Bob Brown, he was much more than a family friend. He took me fishing, camping, taught me many little things that he probably didn't think he was teaching me, but I was picking up on it. Um, He's a very quiet man, but one who uh, actions and his convictions have uh, made him the respected leader of his family. So I'd like to thank Bob quite a bit. And thirdly, I'd like to thank Joy for being my spiritual father. My wife jokingly says that we have a bromance. And sometimes I think that Joey thinks I give him more than he gives me. Well, that is so, so wrong. With your encouragement and during passion for what you do and who you are, you're now able to say with the Holy Spirit that you can teach old dog new tricks. Thank you, Joey. So, all right. So how does God help us to be the defined and purpose-driven men? He has described this in the Bible through the five attributes of authentic, common, uncommon men that are found in Paul's first letter of the Corinthians, chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Isn't the Bible amazing? I mean, if you just turn to that verse, that would be enough to get you through life right there and then, isn't it? So, as, we, as you know, Paul authored like three-quarters of the, the New Testament. and uh, He wrote this letter to Timothy, because Timothy was in charge of his church in Corinth. Now, if Corinth was, everybody heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah was a pretty disgusting town, but if Corinth was in the Old Testament, Sodom and Gomorrah would probably still be standing because it was just a morally depressed town. And Timothy was just looking for some guidance on how to get the town back on track. So these two verses contain the five C's, which will be the basis of our discussion today. The five C's of authentic manhood are be on guard, circumspection, stand firm, be convicted, be courageous, have character, and be strong. And number five, be loving. So let's just roll into it. Let's talk about circumspection, being on guard. Let's just work at the, look at the word circumspect. That means uh, circum, means around or in your parameter. And spec means looking or seeing. So we are to always be watchful, careful, alert as to what's going on. We should have our head on a swivel, 360 degrees look at life. Um, police, military personnel, and basic training, it's one of the first things that they're taught is to be circumspect. You know, if you ever go into a restaurant and the police are sitting there eating, more than likely their back is against the wall and they're looking towards the front of the restaurant so they can see what's going to be coming at them. So this is very important when we're also dealing with the devil and temptation. 2 Corinthians 2.11 states, So that Satan will not outsmart us, we are to be familiar with his evil schemes. Um, This kind of started back in the Garden of Eden, if you look back with Adam and Eve, of course. Um, Adam violated this right at the beginning, didn't he? Um, Satan tempts Eve, where's Adam? That knucklehead's just sitting there not doing anything. Um, But before we jump on Adam's case, don't us men do that every day? We're busy, we're tired after a long day of work, we're watching the football game, paying no attention to what's going on in our wife's life, not what's going on in our kids' lives. We don't want to get into those deep conversations because we're too stressed out and don't want to deal with it. Sitting back, doing nothing, and failing to take responsibility in this area is one of the greatest sins men. And believe me, I'm guilty of it. Michelle, don't say amen right now. Uh, Adam was given specific instructions about the tree of life, was he not? He had the responsibility of communicating that to Eve. He didn't do that. 
Then he sat there and did nothing, a sin of omission. The fall of man was not Eve's fault. It was totally on Adam. Um, men are called to be watchmen as well, to be wide awake, like I said earlier. I don't think Adam was too awake in the day of the garden, do you think? Not only is circumspection should be done externally, but you also need to start internally. We must look inside and examine our own conscience and effort. Ephesians 5, 15. So be careful how you live. Do not live like fools, but live like those who are wise. This helps us identify our problems before our problems become who we are, our identity. Why did I react that way? Why did I say what I say? How can I improve myself? Why do I do what I do? I mean, this is going to take some humility, guys, and hard work to become the men that you want to be. But for circumspection to work, it must start right here in your heart first. 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. There's that old saying, when you point at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back at yourself. So let's start there. One of my personal favorites, I don't know if it was the 80s or the 90s, it was uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. So change happens when you become the change. So always becomes, be circumspect inside and out. Number two, conviction. Stand firm in your faith. Got a quote from Howard Hendricks. A belief is something you will argue about. A conviction is something you will die for. As men, we are to be unmovable, unshakable, and steadfast in our faith. Hebrews 11.6 states, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely, everybody say sincerely, Seek him. Also, Proverbs 25, 26. If the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying the spring. We become contaminated when we're tempted and we become indecisive. James 1, 6 and 7. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a per person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, conviction is going to form the framework for your strong faith. Conviction gives us a purpose. Purpose is going to keep us out of trouble. Now, who in here would like to tell me who you think the greatest person in the Bible would had the greatest amount of conviction? Anybody want to give me a guess? This is participatory. <laughs> How about Jesus? Did Jesus have the greatest conviction? His conviction dominated his life to do his father's will. It was the only way he was able to stay away from Satan's temptation. Another person that uh, probably had, was a great example of a person with conviction was King David. When he focused on his purpose, he stayed out of trouble. When he veered away, he fell into temptation. 2 Samuel tell, tells the story of David's fall from glory when he saw Bathsheba. The day he saw Bathsheba... David's men were fighting the Ammonites. He decided to sit the battle out. If he had been leading his men, his true purpose, he would have never seen Bathsheba. His fall would have never occurred. So why was David not in the battle? Did he fall victim to his own success? 
figure, hey, my guys got this. They don't need me out there. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that supports that we're supposed to retire. We're supposed to be on the offense all the time. So many of us believe that we make our money, we retire, and we just move down to Florida. Well, what happens when we take off the armor of God and put on our PJs? The devil don't take a day off. He's going to permeate you and come at you twice as hard once he sees that you don't have the armor of God around you. The greatest battle is the battle over souls. The battle where people will spend eternity. The battle over heaven and hell. The battle over truth. I'm on a sales team, and if we say that we can get one out of ten people to say yes, that's a good day. Now imagine if we each asked ten people and we got one person to come down here and admit that, that Jesus Christ is their Savior. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be a great average. I could live with that. So every breath we breathe should be spent thinking about that and being in these battles. It's the only thing worthy of our lives because he is the only thing worthy of our lives. I personally don't want to show up at the gates of uh, heaven with shiny armor on. I want mine to be dinged up from battle worn, from protecting my loved ones and advancing God's kingdom here on earth. Keep in mind, we're not just designed to fight the battle. We're designed to wire to win the battle. Because Jesus is on our side. Satan does not want us to know that. So, if you're not praying, not seeing God, not reading the word, you're opening up self for defeat. The best defense is a good defense. Conviction will have us seeing with different lenses. If we have conviction, every time the enemy attacks us, we're going to turn those into snacks. Because we are going to eat him for lunch. So let's be men of conviction. Number three, we need to be courageous. I have a quote from Winston Churchill. Courage is the first of human qualities because it's the quality which guarantees all others. How important is courage? God mentions courage 638 times in the Bible. I've been reading quite a few books, and a great story I read in 1964, there was a battle between Malaysia and Indonesia. And the British had gotten some soldiers from Nepal. They were called Gurkhas. And these Gurkhas, they weren't trained as paratroopers, but the British leader came up to the Gurkha leader one day and said, well, there might come a time where you might have to do some jumping out of airplanes. Would you be able to do that? So the Gurkha leader kind of hemmed and hawed, and he said, well, do it under two conditions. Number one, where we land has to have be soft and mushy ground. British commander said, not a problem. It's in a jungle. No problem. Second condition, the plane has to be under 100 miles an hour and under 100 feet. British commander said, well, the slow plane, that's no problem. We always drop you slow. But if we go under 100 feet, the parachutes aren't going to open up. And the Gurkha commander's kind of looking like kind of bewildered. He says, well, I guess, I guess we'll jump from anywhere. You didn't mention anything about parachutes. Now, that's, that's awful courageous that you're going to do this without parachutes, right? Um, courage is the nerve that inspires strength to take action. Fear never originates from God. Fear is Satan's greatest weapon. Don't we all know that? We fear facing our failures and doubts, the feeling that we're inadequate, questioning whether we're 
of whether we are enough to do what is asked of us. The truth is you are enough. God has given that to you. The more you are aware of how the enemy hits you, the easier it is to dismantle the lie. Now, you may be courageous, but that doesn't mean you're not going to have fear. It means you need to act beyond it. You must identify your fears. Move them towards the truth in the Bible and unveil what the Bible says about them. You must act boldly and courageously in the truth that has been proclaimed about you. Now, I think you've been in church a number of times where people have prophetic words for me and the prophetic training, there was many words poured over me, but I still questioned it, still questioned it until we had our prophetic training with Mike Benson. Um, and the Holy Spirit, through Mike Benson, basically bit me in the back of the head and said, hey, get it? You get it now? Because, I mean, this is a person that didn't know any of us. And he lettered, literally read our mail. I mean, he knew what we had been through, what we were going through, what our questions were, what our fears were, and more importantly, what God wanted us to do. And at that point, I knew unequivocally, 100%, what my next move had to be. Courage is not a suggestion of God, but a command. Right up there with do not kill. Judges or Joshua 1, 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God with you, take the Lord your God with you wherever you go. Why do you think God can command us to be courageous? Because he's our insurance policy. He's always there to back us up. He's not encouraging us to be strong and courageous because we're great, because he's great. A God plan never fails. A man plan always will. There's a good idea and a God idea. A good idea may come to pass, but a God idea must come to pass. There is no one more courageous than the Holy Spirit. And when we ask him to come into us and live inside us, we're connected to the power plan of heaven. There's nothing we cannot do. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we, not, we are not carrying on us our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we are, we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Our mind is probably the most phenomenal piece of hardware we have. But unfortunately, we have something living in it. It's called a virus. It's called sin. But guess what? We have the ultimate virus-killing program out there. It's called the Bible. I have learned that speaking the truth in the Bible can change your whole day. Good friend of me, good friend of mine gave me a small little purple book. And in that purple book, it's subdivided into different categories, like anger, patience, stress. And I started going through the book, and I get my little, little sticky notes. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. But halfway through it, I'm like, my book is like all sticky notes because all these things apply to me. But uh, like I said, I'm on the phone all the day, and I work for a bank, so I'm dealing with customers. And sometimes it just it gets to me. And I'll just, it's, when it's time for my break, I'll get that book out and Maybe pull out a verse about patience and just verbally speak it over what's going on. And unbelievable, my, my day just turns around right from then forward. It's just incredible. So 
The last note I want to leave you with is a quote on courage from one of my favorite actors, John Wayne. Courage is when you're scared out of your mind, but you still saddle up. Be courageous, men. Be courageous. Number four, character. Be strong. Got a quote from a great president, John F. Kennedy. Do not pray for easier lives. Pray to be stronger men. The definition, the definition of strength, the quality or state of being strong, capacity for exertion or endurance, the power to resist the negative force or attack. Now in the Bible, strength equaled your moral strength or your inner strength. This is the character of a man. A man's inner strength is his ability to withstand temptations, accusations, seductions, lies, and other pressures. So where did we get our character? God empowered us by breathing life into us in Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Jesus did the same thing with his disciples in John 20, 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus' last words to us in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. What comes from inside us is what matters. Are we being disciples of the gospel? Are we mentoring others? Are we assisting others in their walks with God? Are we empowering others by our example? These all emanate from our character. In 1 Kings 2, King David knows it is time on earth drawing, drawing to a close, and Solomon's going to be the next king. So he wants to read some character into uh, Solomon. Now understand, Solomon, for most of his lifetime, he never saw war because David had kind of kicked everybody's butt and everything was kind of peaceful when Solomon was around. So he wanted to get that warrior spirit into Solomon. So he brought him to his, uh, basically calls it deathbed, I guess. And uh, he whispered into his ear. He said, you're a wise man and you know what you ought to do. You probably think that's no big deal. But the word do in Hebrew means to execute. So David was basically telling Solomon that he can't co coexist with the enemy. Or like I kind of like to refer it because it's one of my favorite movies, The Godfather. It's like uh, the father talking to Michael Corleone and giving him a hit list. Say, here's you go. It's time to get it done. You got to get out there. An authentic man doesn't play with the enemy. God told Moses and Joshua when they were going into the promised land that they must first depossess to possess the land. This meant that they needed to root out all their enemies. An authentic man cannot let sin go unchecked. We must deal radically with the enemy inside our soul. Matthew 5, 29 and 30 illustrates how radical Jesus is about this concept. If you want to live a morally pure life, here's what you have to do. You have to blind your right eye the moment you catch it in the lustful leer. You have to choose to live one eye or else be dumped on a moral trash pile. And you have to chop off your right hand the moment you notice it raised threateningly. Better a bloody stump than your entire being discarded for good in the dump. Just think about that for a minute. This auditorium would be quite a sight if we actually lived by that moral, wouldn't we? It would be pretty ugly in here. So let's all be men of character. Number five, compassion. Do everything with love. 
I have a quote from Henry Ward Beezer. Compassion will cure more sins than condemnation. Being loving, being benevolent, showing goodwill and charity and esteem to others around us. Every time that Jesus loved, he was moved by compassion. Matthew 9, 35 and 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. As authentic men, we need to slow down and be aware of what's going on around us. Perceive the burdens of others. Help others out. Do what we can to help. 1 John 3, 17. If someone who has worldly means sees a brother in need and refuses him compassion, how can the love of God remain in them? Jesus' compassion always came from his bowels. So let's talk a little bit about biology. And all my teenage boys aren't here to hear this one. They'd love this one. So what happens when uh, your bowels move? <laughs> well, the ladies got it. That's good. All right. <laughs> There's an action and a chain that occurs in your body. So when a human spirit is deeply touched and moved by the need of another person, it causes a movement, a chain, or change, a release of divine power to surge, reach out, meet that needs of the other person. What happened when Jesus was moved by compassion? There was healing. There was deliverance. People were fed. Passion is a human emotion. Compassion is divine. Matthew 25, 40. Whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Another story I was reading, there's a story of a monk, and he was walking down the road, and he found this precious gem, put it in his bag, and he kept down his road, and all of a sudden, he ran across this traveler, and the traveler was hungry, and he says, well, do you have any provisions that you might be able to give me? And he started, monk started digging through his bag, and the traveler, of course, saw the big gem in there, and he says, well, can I have that stone? The monk said, sure, I, I don't have a need for it. Here, you can have it. Probably the, I don't know, worth couple thousand dollars I don't know traveler just all of a sudden scurried off just left a few days later the monk is continuing on his journey and runs into the traveler again traveler comes up and he's got the stone in his hand he said I'd like to return this to you but I have one request may I please have something more valuable than this precious stone would you please give me what enabled you to be able to give me that precious stone that's compassion. The compassion of God is exemplified by the transformation of two of the greatest characters in the Bible. Peter, he went from denying Jesus three times to become a, becoming one of his greatest disciples. And then I think we can all agree on the greatest transformation, and that was Saul to Paul. From a Christian killer to the person who wrote three-quarters of the New Testament, including the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. We must always remember that we're created in God's image to do two things, love God and love people. This begins with us understanding that God's love for us is complete and unconditional. When we understand God's love for us, we're going to start cutting people some slack. We're not going to yell at that person that cuts us off in traffic. We're going to become more patient, less angry, more forgiving, more compassionate. 
Colossians 3.14 says, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So for a woman, I think that's always the black dress. Right, ladies? You always got to have a black dress. But for Christian, it's love. So before I start this next section, I just want to put this out there. If I hear one snicker or one amen from any of the women in the crowd tonight, I'm going to clear this place. Just kidding, because I'm about to get real honest. This love and compassion thing, probably the one most difficult thing for men. Simply because, let's be honest, guys, we're self-centered. We have our own trinity, me, myself, and I. We're the biggest babies when we get sick, aren't we? Wait. Okay, I didn't hear that, Debbie. <laughs> Sometimes we don't even know how thoughtless we are. We're prideful, we're impatient, and we're just plain hard sometimes. We are tough to get along with. And this goes all back to me. I mean, I was, I was exactly this way. I have no problem admitting it. <laughs> Michelle will tell you stories. Uh, <laughs> uh, if I saw someone hurting or down on their luck, I would always think, well, they must have done something really bad. I mean... I, I would just worry about how they affected me and my feelings, not what was going on, what was dumb, you know. I just lacked the love, the passion, and compassion um, for anyone except myself. It's been a long road and a road that I backslide on continuously, right, Michelle? <laughs> but one that's become easier when I dropped my pride and accepted the unconditional and unwarranted love of my Savior. If God can love me, shouldn't I give the same type of respect to those that are in the same or worse shape that I was in. The key concept to compassion is that we must move beyond saying, give me God, and begin to say, make me God, into the child of God that you want me to be. Always be compassionate. So let's review the five C's again. Circumspect, conviction, courage, character, compassion, but the sixth C is, that will, is the C that will always guarantee success, and that is Christ our Savior. So how do we take the next step at VLC? I really believe in these concepts and want them to come to life here at VLC. So I believe that we must form a band of brothers. We as men of God must band together to help each other, help our single mothers, and help our church family. It's time for us to lead by example. To this end, I am proud to announce the formation of a men's ministry here at VLC, and it will be called War. We are ready. Sorry, ladies, I just kind of flipped, flipped it around. Got to be the exact opposite of the women in Raw, so... As men who walk the walk of Christianity, we are in a spiritual warfare. We must be ready with the armor of God as well as surrounded by a band of brothers who have our backs. Now, we've come to find out with these Saturday meetings, it's kind of difficult for us to meet on a regular basis with different schedules and not a lot of guys in the congregation currently. So I've come up with a two-fold plan, gone over it with Joey, and we've come up with a good plan for us to become authentic men and better fathers. Number one, I'm going to be developing a 5 to 15 minute bi-weekly 
Bible study that will be posted on VLC's Facebook page with the ability to be shared. So ladies, if your men are not attending, make sure you copy them and get them to start reading through it. This study will concentrate solely on men's issues, helping them center their life and their struggles um, and concentrating on the one true father. The study will also be available in printed form at the Connection Center for those who would like to read it that way. Secondly, I'm suggesting a daily devotional plan. Let's try and read from Psalms in the morning for some inspiration and read from Proverbs in the evening for some wisdom. Read what you can, when you can. Every bit of inspiration and wisdom will help in your daily life. It has for me. To this end, I would like the men of VLC to make a commitment to this Bible study and to becoming uncommon men in their work life, in their marriages, and most importantly, for their children and grandchildren. So I'd like to move into a time of response and prayer. Our prayer team will be available for you up front. I'd like us all to rise. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, no matter if you're a male or a female, please slip your hand up if you've suffered a father wound. Your mother, father may have hurt you physically or mentally. Maybe he was an absent dad. Maybe he never told you what a blessing you were or are to have in his life. Maybe your father wound caused you to have bad relationship with your child or children and you would like restoration of that relationship. If any of these apply to you, please slip your hand up. I'd like to pray a special prayer with you today. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and choosing me before you made the world. You are my true Father, my Creator, my Redeemer, my Sustainer, and the true end of all things. Today I give you my old identity and the broken names I have named myself. Today I receive that I am your beloved child because you have chosen me to be yours. I have made my life so much about me because I did not know who you were. I did not know who the you that you were the father I always wanted and needed. I thank you from the very first moments of my life. You have been pursuing me as you could be my father to heal and empower me as your child. I give myself over to you to be your true child, to be with you as Jesus is one with you. Today, I know that the words that you poured over your son after his baptism now apply to me. I am your child with whom you are well pleased. And all God's people said. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.cb forward slash give. Thank you and God bless.